When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello everyone, welcome to Hue at Home, I'm Tracy Koga. Today we'll talk about human rights. What does it mean and what does it mean for you? I'll sit down with my good friend Stuart Murray. He is President and CEO for the City of Human Rights Education and the Human Rights Hub. As well, we'll have a feature on Artbeat Studio artist Kate Kaplan. But for now, let's sit down with Stuart Murray and hear what he's been up to these days. I want to give a warm welcome to Stuart Murray. And Stuart, I believe you have a few words right now. Yeah, thank you so much, Tracy. This is a great honor. I'm really looking forward to our conversation. But, you know, I want to acknowledge that I am presently located on the original lands of the Anishinaabe, the Ochi Cree, Dakota, and Denny peoples, and homeland of the Métis Nation. And so are most of us as well. I am too, and, and thank you for that recognition. And the conversation today is, well, rooted in that story about human rights but first of all I think a lot of people know you from different <laughs> I guess different uh, times of, of life uh, um, so let's kind of look back at the many hats that you've worn Stuart uh, back in the rock and roll days politics to where you are now well you know Tracy um, you know when they always sort of say success is a bit of a straight line you know that has never been kind of my jam i mean i have been all over and i've been very blessed i've been very lucky to be in the right place at the right time so you know just in a nutshell the readers digest uh, you know i was raised in a small town in Punishai, saskatchewan and my father was a farmer my mother was a pharmacist and so you know i saw what hard work and entrepreneurship looked like as a young person growing up and at one point, I really thought that I wanted to be a pharmacist uh, because that's what my mother was. And I tried university. Uh, it just did not work for me, Tracy. I was just <laughs> not there. And so, uh, you know, part of me looked at other opportunities. I love design. I love doing different things. So I went to a place called SATE in Calgary to study architectural drafting. And, and then I went through a year of that. I enjoyed it. And I went to Ryerson in Toronto. And that's kind of where my life starts to kind of pivot a little bit. I studied one year of architectural science at Ryerson. And in the summer, the school burned down, of all things. You can imagine. I mean, I had nothing to do with, by the way, you know, uh, as, <laughs> as we speak. But so the school burned down. So they called us back together as students in the summer and said, what, what can we do to try to sort of make sure that we're always uh, advancing the education on the architectural side? And one of the things that came very clear is that because we had nothing, everything was burned to the ground, that we were going to have to be nomadic and figure out where we went with Ryerson to have different, you know, kind of classrooms and what that looked like. And it just seemed to be very uh, chaotic to me. And I said, maybe one op option should be that we wait until January. Why don't we take the next number of months, allow students that are working to keep earning an income and then come back in January 
And that basically didn't fly well with the professors and the instructors, and I respect it, but they didn't want to lose their summer vacations. And so, you know, a young kid kind of being, uh, you know, sort of standing on some principles at that point, I just said, look, I don't think you're interested in my education. And I had taken a summer job, Tracy, working for a sound and lighting company called Westbury Sound. And so it was a great summer, you know, sort of job for me. We did a lot of folk festivals. We did travel through the province of Ontario. I got to meet Bruce Coburn and other sort of musicians. And so I decided that I was going to pursue that. And so I stayed working for that, that organization and enjoyed that for a number of years, which ultimately allowed me to meet with David Clayton Thomas and Blood, Sweat and Tears. And of course, I got, uh, I got involved and I traveled the world with them for five years. <laughs> oh, my goodness. And then politics. Yeah, so, you know, one of the things that uh, that happened was being on the road, as uh, as anybody that knows that listens to this, and of course, you've got a budding, more than a budding musician in your household. So, you know, um, part of being in the music business, Tracy, is a lot of travel. And uh, I mean, we traveled the world. We were in uh, the Philippines, Australia, South Africa, all through Europe, uh, South Af America, I should say. And I was, at that point, I had met my, my wife, Ashley Everett, who we're, we're going to be celebrating our 40th anniversary uh, in, in a couple of weeks, actually. Oh, wow. Uh, and, but she was, uh, you know, I was in grade 12, and she was uh, a year behind me, and so we started dating, and we always kept in touch. And at some juncture, we decided that we were going to try and strike a, a, a life together, and she was just graduating with her Master's of Business Administration from uh, the University of Western Ontario. And so I had to get off the road and I had great op offers to stay on the road, Tracy. I mean, Joan Baez, who some people may or may not know, but at that time she uh, had offered me a fairly lucrative contract to travel with her and it was hard to say no, but it was the right thing to do to get out. Mm -hmm. So my way of getting out was to stay in Toronto and I got a job working for the Canadian Opera Company uh, and uh, know nothing about opera, by the way but uh, learned and, uh, and part of my responsibility, however, was to sell opera uh, to the Americans. And so I created a deal with National Public Radio and CBC to broadcast operas into Chicago and that whole area. And we used it as a bit of a tourism mechanism to get people from that area to come to Ontario. And during that time, Tracy, I started to volunteer for the PC Party of Canada, the PC Party of uh, Ontario. Bill Davis was the premier. And Brian Mulroney had just become the leader, the national leader of the Progressive Conservative Party of Canada. And so I put my name down as a volunteer and they asked me to get involved. And, you know, I sort of looked at some of these things, Tracy, and a lot of political rallies, political events are very similar to a rock and roll show. You know, you have to have a big crowd and you have to have a crowd that gets excited and get them sort of all kind of, you know, jammed up to uh, when when you announce uh, Brian Mulroney's name, you want everybody at uh, kind of redlining for enthusiasm. And so, you know, we brought in some rock and roll stuff that I'd learned and put some events together. And sure enough, 1984, Brian Mulroney won that election campaign, the biggest landslide victory uh, in history. And uh, I, I always tell the story, and I'm very fond of telling the story, because uh, on the last day of the election, I did a rally in London, Ontario with him. And as he was going up the stairs of the plane to fly to Manicouagan, which is where his home riding was in Quebec, he stopped at the, the, the top of the stairs, and then I'll just say in classic Mulroney fashion, Tracy, he turned around and looked at me, and there was all the national media and all the friends waiting, because that's typically what they did at the bottom of the stairs when the politician went into the aircraft. And he turned around and he pointed at me and said, I'm going to call you. And it was like, you know, what a great guy. I mean, how in front of everybody, how good was this? Well, in fact, he did call me. 
And he called me and offered me a job to work as his tour director in working in the prime minister's office. So that was a great opportunity to get involved in politics and, and travel the world again with the prime minister of Canada. My goodness. And then you have your own local story here too with us. Well, so when I got out of uh, four years of working with, uh, with Prime Minister Brian Mulroney, I, uh, I came back to Manitoba and uh, I joined Domo uh, Gasoline Corporation. And of course, that uh, is a, uh, one of the operating companies that Royal Canadian Securities uh, owns and operates. And that is run by the Everett family. And so I was given an opportunity to become uh, involved in Domo, and I was there for 10 years and became the president and CEO of, of that great organization, working with young people. And it was an amazing experience. And, um, and, and then at that time, I got involved again as a volunteer. At that time, Gary Philman was the premier of the province of Manitoba and, and worked on his election campaign, which we unfortunately uh, lost in, in, in uh, was 19... Man, oh man, I want to say 1999, I think it was. And, um, and anyway, you know, uh, at that point, we started to look for a new leader. And a lot of people said to me, well, why don't you do it? And so, you know, I kind of thought about it. And after some time, I did put my name forward. I was the second candidate in that leadership race. Darren Prasnick was the first. And for what reasons are only known to him, he decided to drop out. So I became the leader of the Progressive Conservative Party of Manitoba in, uh, in 1999. And again, other great experience. Oh my goodness! And the list goes on and on and on. Oh, I want to touch briefly too that uh, you know we have the Canadian Museum for Human Rights, and you were integral with that right at the beginning. Yeah, again, Tracy. So on one of those things again, just being very blessed to be at the right time. Uh, I had left politics after six years. I got involved as the president and CEO of the Saint Boniface Hospital Foundation raising money for healthcare, fabulous uh, organization, great work that happens there then and continues to happen today. And I got a call uh, from uh, the, uh, the federal PC party, uh, uh, Stephen Harper was the uh, prime minister, mm -hmm. and he had turned sod uh, way back in late 2018 on the site, which is currently now the Canadian Museum for Human Rights. And I was asked if I would become the first inaugural president and CEO for the Canadian Museum for Human Rights. Didn't take me long, Tracy, to sort of say yes to that one. I mean, I don't know how many museums you get to be, you know, build in the world, but that was one. And so it was a fabulous, fabulous learning journey and uh, something I'm very, very proud of. And now, presently, you are now starting or you have started this uh, wonderful organization because of your passion for human rights. So let's talk about now about the City of Human Rights Education, which is your baby. Yeah. Yeah, Tracy, so thank you again. You know, when I left the Canadian Museum for Human Rights, uh, it occurred to me that there is just a tremendous opportunity for uh, this city to become a center for education around human rights. And uh, one of the things I, I hearken back to 2009, when then Art Morrow gave a tremendous speech around uh, Winnipeg's future with respect to human rights. He gave it to the Winnipeg Jewish Foundation. It was a luncheon great speech, well received. And of course, what he did was he offered up sort of a challenge to say, here's the history of human rights in Manitoba. Here's where we are presently referencing, of course, the Canadian Museum for Human Rights, and then said, so what's next? What, what can we do next? And he basically talked about making Winnipeg the Geneva of the prairies. So a place where education and human rights could take place. So after I left the Canadian Museum for Human Rights, I met with, uh, with Art Morrow and we talked about how we might do this. So I met with a number of community leaders and said, you know, this is, has to be a community-driven event. 
And they basically agreed that it was a good idea. People like, you know, now, uh, now Murray Sinclair, who has gone to, to be a tremendous, uh, tremendous human being in Manitoba and through the Senate and through the Truth and Reconciliation Commission. Um, or, you know, Lloyd Oxworthy, you know, Art DeFerre, Eda Elbow, uh, Diane Redsky. There were a number of people that were part of that conversation, Tracy, that sort of said, look, if you want to be the boots on the ground on this thing, you know, we'll come behind you and support you and say it's a good idea. And so, you know, it, it, it occurred to me, Tracy, that there's so much talent of, of, you know, people in Winnipeg that are so passionate around the issue of human rights and trying to make a difference to make everybody's life better. But typically, you know, they're underfunded, understaffed, under-resourced, and they don't have the chance to lift their heads up and look at the landscape and see what everybody else is doing. And so what I'm trying to do is not do anything. Well, what, I, what I'm trying to do is become a hub. So the, 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 that's why it's called the Human Rights Hub. And I'm trying, Tracy, to be a place where I can connect people so that when we start to partner and we continue to partner and we find more partnerships, that what that ultimately does is give us all a bigger voice and a bigger platform to talk about the education of human rights here in Winnipeg. So that's what I'm currently engaged in. Wow, and it's a big endeavor. You've got a podcast too as well. And this conversation I know that really is the trigger for ideas. What is it about human rights, Stuart, that makes it such a passion project for you? You know, Tracy, uh, thank you. That's a great question. Um, and when I, when I was the inaugural president and CEO of the Canadian Museum for Human Rights, um, it was very clear to me that I was surrounded by a lot of people who were way more knowledgeable on human rights than, than I was or ever will be. A lot of academics, a lot of studied, a lot of lived human rights people. And what I took away from that was that, you know, I've been very blessed in my life. Um, and I want to find a way to try to give back in, um, in, in a, I'll quote my, one of my nemesis, by the way, Gary Doerr. He was, you know, the premier and I was the leader of the opposition. But he's always used the term kind of the back nine of life, a golf term that talks about the back nine. And so, you know, as we, as we are on the back nine of life, which I am, I want to find a way that I can try to give back to the community to, to learn, take what I've learned and try to sort of help and support others, understanding that we need to start pushing other people in front to be the front of the parade, but I need to be somewhere supporting it because I have been blessed with a lot of contacts and met a lot of people. And so I'm trying to find a way to make that happen, Tracy. And, you know, uh, just if I could pause for a minute and say, uh, you know, to you, I mean, it's something that you're passionate about, something that you're doing, and you're part of that community, you're part of trying to create that bigger voice. So I want to acknowledge that as we're speaking in this, uh, in this uh, uh, conversation. Oh, well, I appreciate that, Stuart. And yeah, that's sort of the main mission statement for all of us here at HU is to be a platform for those that don't have a voice. We are going to continue this conversation because I know I could probably have a two-hour show with you, but I want to talk about the future of human rights, want to talk more about the hub, how we can get involved, uh, some of the things and projects that you have up and coming. So please, everybody, don't go away. There'll be more conversation from Stuart Murray. But right now, we're going to take a short break. We're going to meet a lovely artist. Her name is Kate Kaplan. She's part of Artbeat Studio that helps people living with mental illness find their true selves through art. This is Hugh at Home.
I grew up in Ukraine and I lived in Israel for many years and I moved to Canada and I felt like I lost so many things on the way and my inspiration wasn't even there, it was just working and all my energy was going into things like that and raising my kids and I was not thinking about coming back to becoming an artist as I was and it was an accident that I met a wonderful person, Lori Green. She passed away years ago, but I'm grateful so much for everything she did for me. She introduced me to Studio Central. 2011, I believe. Uh, I started attending Studio Central and my functioning was improving from the workshops I was attending, getting some routine. After my four hospitalizations, it was the place I could actually function at. The shifts at Studio Central are two hours for everyone, unless you want to pick up more. And I think that's a great opportunity and possibility for people who suffer and recover from mental health conditions. But also it's perfect for mentally absolutely healthy people who know how art heals and how it gives your heart some kind of a destination, something to go to, to follow your heart. If you're a little bit lost or if you know for sure you, what, what you want, that's the place you want to go to. Welcome back to Hewitt Home. My guest is Stuart Murray. And uh, Stuart, let's get down to it. The hub, Human Rights Hub. Uh, you know, we touched on it before in our conver opening conversation, but what is it really truly about? And some of the projects, what are you doing? And how can we as citizens get involved? Great, Tracy. Well, first and foremost, this is a great way to sort of start that conversation. So once again, thank you so much for having me on your show. Um, Tracy, when I started, um, my project. It was called the um, uh, Winnipeg City of Human Rights Education. And I got my charitable status through that. During that sort of journey, I got to meet a young woman who was uh, graduated from Global College. Her name is Christy McLeod, and she had started a social site called the Human Rights Hub. And so through our conversations, as she started to become a lawyer, she's now transitioned into Vancouver and is studying Indigenous and climate law. I asked her if I could get involved with the hub and she said, sure, why don't you uh, take it on yourself? And so I did. And really the, 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 the essence of the hub, Tracy, is to create a platform that we can try to share with other Winnipeggers who are involved in human rights of what's happening, events. Um, and of course that's difficult during COVID. 
And so I'll just make a quick pause here, Tracy, and just say that when, when, when COVID hit, one of the things I did, of course, was paused on sort of any event management because we couldn't do it. Mm -hmm. And I started my podcast, which is called Humans on Rights. And my whole purpose for the podcast was, again, to look at an international day such as um, the uh, uh, International Day to End Homelessness or, um, you know, the International Day of Suicide Prevention and do some research and find somebody local in Winnipeg who is a local advocate or educator on that issue and then have them on the podcast to talk about what it is they're doing here locally. Because, again, I just believe by giving the platform to local Manitobans, we can start to realize that we have some tremendously talented people here in, in Winnipeg that are dealing on the issue of whether it's peace, justice, or human rights. And so what I'm trying to accommodate is to, again, to partner, Tracy, with as many people as possible, because I do believe that we should be able to create an award here in Winnipeg that is recognized internationally, that we bring in somebody international who's doing great work on human rights, but at the same time, pair them up with somebody locally. So we're always championing our own people here in, in, in Winnipeg, because I think too often, you know, you have hardworking people here in Winnipeg, you bring somebody from the outside, you know, we stand, we applaud them, we say what great they work they do, and then they leave the community and we go back to what we do. And I think when we go back to what we do, let's go back knowing that our peacock feathers should be just a little bit higher, knowing that we also are making a great contribution in our own way in this community. So I'm just about to launch my calendar, which is going to be the hub calendar, Tracy. Mm -hmm. And the purpose of that is, again, to allow organizations to use it as a placeholder. If they've got um, an event where they're doing a book launch around human rights or they've got a film that they want to launch or there's uh, some musicians that are doing a human rights concert. We just want to be a place where people can look at that calendar and start to plan their events. Or if they're planning an event, maybe they don't want to duplicate on another event. So we're trying to um, get that in place and that should be ready to go, Tracy, in the next 10 days as you and I are talking today on, mm -hmm. uh, on the 9th of January. So we're looking at that. And then um, the other piece really is to use the hub as a way to try to bring people together. And I've talked to a good friend of both of ours, Clayton Sandy, who you know very well. Mm -hmm. And uh, we talk highly about you, by the way, we just had breakfast. And one of the things that Clayton and I and others are trying to do, Tracy, is find a way to bring together the human rights organizations, regardless of size, to try to bring them together so we can all be in one room and get to see who each other is and find ways that we can start to work together. So a couple of good projects on board for 2022. And of course, we'll have to be governed by what COVID uh, allows us to do. Oh, yes, that darn C word, COVID. I, and I think though, I mean, it, it's, it's, I think in a sense brought us together too closely um, and I think what you're doing is so amazing. And if we kind of look at it now, um, Stuart on the world stage, because right now I think we're so closed in and we're only kind of thinking in our own little bubble, but on the big world, there's so many things, so many things wrong going on and human rights are at the core of it. Yeah, Tracy, uh, it's, um, you know, it's no matter where you look in the world, there's, there's issues of, uh, you know, that refugees are, 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 you know, I don't think anybody, and I got this from Lloyd Axworthy having a conversation with him uh, about migration and immigration and mm -hmm. refugees. Nobody wants to leave their country. It is their home. But if, 
you know, circumstances are so terrible where the way they're being treated, I mean, they're being punished or for it in, as we see in what's happening in China with uh, the Myanmar, you've got, uh, or sorry, I apologize, the, the Uyghurs, I should say, in China, you know, you've got these genocides that are taking place. And so people are forced to leave, but now they're looking for another home. And, you know, I think we in Canada uh, over time have shown that we are open to bringing people here it's not without its challenges and risks and we have our own challenges locally and i think sometimes people wonder why are we bringing others when we're trying to deal with our own issues mm -hmm. but i i think you know that is a good conversation to have and i think it's really part of i think tracy what you're doing on your show with bringing conversation forward bringing ideas forward and i hope to be uh, to be as successful as you are with what i'm trying to do because we, you know we we've had enough of the like, you know, I think, um, uh, you know, gaslighting issues and just people just pouring gasoline and just everybody, you know, I understand why people can get anxious and people can get angry. And I'm not trying to be judgmental here or, or, or say that I'm better in any way, shape or form. I'm simply trying to say, how can we pause and be a little bit more thoughtful and a little bit more kind to people mm -hmm. who may not be having the same opportunities as, as we have? And, and, and if we can find a way to do that, um, you know, I think just trying to make somebody's life, one person's life a little bit better, then I think we start to find a way to make a better world. But there is a lot of talk that, that I mean, you know, you look at what's happening south of the border, and I think some of that's creeping into Canada. Um, you know, the, the fact that people have a hard time to even understand or admit what is systemic racism. You know, that that in itself, and again, I'm not trying to be judgmental here, Tracy, I'm simply saying that we as a society need to be open for dialogue and conversation to understand what is systemic racism. And there's nothing wrong with disagreeing with somebody's idea, but at least give them the airtime to share what they're talking about. And that's why I come back to this notion that mm -hmm. education is, I think, the one powerful tool that is going to help assist and change this uh, situation that the world finds themselves in. Oh, I, I totally agree and um, I you know and I give I guess having more opportunities to have conversations like this is wonderful. Um, before closing I guess Stuart, Winnipeg, where do you see Winnipeg fitting in this whole big picture? You know I think Winnipeg can play a huge role Tracy and uh, I'm just uh, so always amazed that you know I got involved uh, with uh, some folks working at Winnipeg during anti-racism week and you start to get connected to some of these people and you realize how many, how much talent, and I say talent in the sense of passion and ability and wanting to get stuff done. And I know that our current mayor is not running again. He's uh, done a, a, a tremendous amount, frankly, around human rights. He created the Human Rights Committee of Council, of which I sit on. And I think that Winnipeg is, is really positioned when you look at, and I'll just call them the assets, and I know it's a business term, Tracy, but when you look at the Canadian Museum for Human Rights, Global College, the Morrow Center for Peace and Justice, you've got you know so many organizations that are working in this field. By bringing everybody together with one voice, I think Winnipeg is well situated to be a significant player in the conversation to advance human rights in the world. Oh, uh, well, we've got a big, big, uh, I guess, uh, project that we have to complete and you're part of it. Uh, we just want to be along and help you in any way, shape or form, Stuart, on this great journey and uh, really, really appreciate the time that you've spent. Your podcast is called? 
Okay, just hang on for a second there. I got a little bit of... Oh, I froze. I think I got a bit of freezing and a bit of mic rub. <laughs> okay, so I just wanted you to, again, promote your podcast. It's got a catchy name. I love it. Yeah, so my podcast, Tracy, thank you so much. My podcast is called Humans on Rights. And it's really just my way of trying to say that there's a lot of times that people would talk about, you know, um, human rights, but we need to get people involved in the human rights discussion. So human beings, humans on rights. And of course, it's available on every uh, podcast platform. Perfect. Well, thank you so much, Stuart. All the best to you and Ashley and the family for 2022. Tracy, my very best to you and, and to Kevin, uh, who's a great, wonderful partner of yours, I know, and a great community leader in his own right, and your great family, and I appreciate very much the time to have a conversation with you. So the Hive is a climbing and fitness facility, so we're bouldering only, which means no ropes or harnesses. We use mats for protection. The four pillars of our business are climbing, education, health and wellness and community and those aspects all kind of come together to create like a five-star climbing experience. We want to give a very special thank you to all of our guests on today's show and leave you with this question. Why are human rights so important and what can we do to ensure that we have human rights for all? We want to know, so send us an email to hello at ilikehugh.com or you can message us on Facebook and Instagram at ilikehugh. But for now, stay safe and healthy and we'll see you next time on Hugh at Home. Hi, I'm Mercedes Nickel, four-time Winter Olympian and host of Dropping In, a podcast with Mercedes. This is a podcast where I interview a bunch of different people. I get the good, the bad, and the ugly, as well as I share my stories along the way. Now you can drop in at droppingin.com or subscribe on Apple, Spotify, and YouTube. I'll see you soon. I'm Matt Kundal, host of the Sound Off Podcast the show about podcast and broadcast. Since 2016, we've been speaking with amazing people who have populated your ears for decades. Legendary broadcasters, research wizards, talent experts, podcasters, voice talent, almost 400 stories, all for free. Subscribe or follow the Sound Off Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or at soundoffpodcast.com. Another Sound Off Media Company podcast.